How's it going, everybody? My name is Austin Kiergaard, and as always, I am joined with Dr. Joe Komzeski and Dr. Kevin Brunesi. In today's topic, we're going to be talking about protein and protein myths. So protein, in my opinion, you guys, is one of the most debated macronutrients, if not the most debated macronutrient ever. We know that the recommended daily allowance, the RDA, is 0.8 grams per kilogram, which is incredibly low from probably all three of our backgrounds and what we're used to seeing. We know that slightly increasing protein in a weight loss phase may be beneficial as far as maintaining lean muscle tissue when we're in a calorie deficit. But the biggest question is how much protein do I need? In addition to that, how much protein can I absorb? Why do I need this much protein? Isn't this going to hurt my kidneys? So those are things that I wanted uh, us to all kind of cover and go through and hopefully answer these questions for all the listeners. So Kevin, I'll, I'll throw it right to you when, when you're approaching your clients, how do you approach, uh, protein, uh, when they ask you questions such as this, like, do I only need to eat 45 to 60 grams of protein a day, or do I need to eat 300 and, and how come I need to eat this amount? Like what, what's your approach to answering those types of questions? To put some context, a lot of my, all, all of my clients are very general population. So, when it comes to protein, I would say this is probably the most difficult macronutrient for those clients or for my clients, just because usually they're under RDA minimum, um, which you know can be concerning to to just that principle of the nature. You know, it's you, know, you as a threshold, we need to at least encourage this much, especially as they will uh, inevitably have training involved with their program then we really want to capitalize and prioritize protein at that uh, at, at that point especially but you know this for me i feel this is where practicality has to has to meet at some point because it's unrealistic to expect just hypothetically 130 grams when if their baseline is 40 like to make that change is overnight is not going to be realistic or practical so we have to scaffold protein up and see where that cap may be and maybe at still 70 grams which for most people that's generally a rough crude baseline or a rda amount um but if that's the case you know that's what we'll that's what we have to deal with i'm sure they won't argue that they have more more calories allotted for carbs or, or yeah for carbs or fat if that's the case but you know there's a pros and cons that's that's my role is to inform about that there is a risk of of higher muscle turnover if they're in a deficit, especially if they're training, then you have that higher risk, but it's it's still risky either way with a diet, but we want to prevent it with supplying a sufficient protein to alleviate that. But again, uh, behaviorally, practically, we have to meet where that is, what's best for the clients and hopefully build up over time, but still just hopefully meet the bare minimum in the least. I like that approach because they're to your point, you're, you're getting them at where they are and you're, you're still increasing, but you're also doing it in a way that they can realistically hit that. Um, Joe, I, I know I've had a lot of conversations with you and it's the aspect of bodybuilding, weight loss, it just muscle building in general. We know that that group loves protein, right? So how do you approach the topic of protein um, with, there's two parts to this one with someone that's just wanting to build muscle and one that someone's wanting to lose weight, whether it is for a contest show or just losing weight in general, how do you explain your approach to why you've recommended the protein amount you have for them? Yeah. And not to just repeat what Kevin said, I'll, I'll agree and push that to the side. 
and just build from there. But when you look at the RDA and you look at the protein council and the different agencies, science agencies that, that do research and, and put their voices out there on this topic, two times the RDA is kind of the sweet spot, the top of that bell curve. So now you're looking to Kevin's point of somebody, you know, general population person, a, a male, let's say of average stature may, you know, do better with 115, 125 grams of protein per day, female 90 to hundred. If you're really working at trying to get protein, that's not hard to reach. Uh, if, if you have never done that, then, then Kevin's right. You know, you may be down at 40, 50, 60 grams. So you look at somebody in a competitive arena, physique sport or otherwise, and they might be used to kind of the bro science of you need 300 grams of protein a day or 250 or five times the RDA. And it's just not evidentially supported. And, and I think you can experiment by getting DEXA scans or, or bioelectrical impedance, and, and you can see that there is a definite threshold. And I've done that many, many times in my career. I mean, I've I had a 20-year pro bodybuilding career. I've been doing this for 40 years. And every time I've tested my own limits on does protein, does more protein help me gain more lean body mass? Once I get above about 125 grams of protein a day, it just does not. So I really like to have people do what I just said, which is experiment. Let's get you to a level that is, is as Kevin said, okay and tolerable. And then let's see if a little more helps. Let's see if it helps you behaviorally. So you have a little less hunger, or maybe you just like protein sources. Maybe you're on the other end of the continuum and you just don't. So maybe you do okay with 1.5 times the RDA just so you can have more carbs. But it there is such a, a huge uh, preferential point to to letting clients self-regulate a little bit in, in just the amount they're getting. Yeah, I love that you both take that same approach, and I'm I'm very similar. I mean, I have an, a range that we try to stay went stay in that's evidence based, of course, and then just see how they feel about <clears throat> consuming that much and if it's realistic for them. So I think we're all on that same page. Uh, I know in a previous podcast we talked that there is difference in protein quality, and I think that that's important to discuss. You know, we have complete and incomplete proteins, different amino acid profiles, so it's important to make sure that we're eating a variety of proteins. But again, another topic that's very uh, popular when it comes to protein and protein myths is, can I really only absorb 30 grams of protein? Like what's the limit of absorption? And, you know, within that, that question, uh, don't I just pee everything out? Don't we just absorb, do we absorb protein? Do we not? So I'm going to throw that Kevin to, to both of you, but I'll start with Kevin first as Kevin um, with, with you and your background. How would you approach that question with somebody that's like, how much do I absorb and don't I just pee everything else out? It's been a while since I've had or I've heard this contentious question from clients. Um, but I'm sure, Joe, you can speak more to the absorption um, or listen to a podcast episode. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, there is your body's going to utilize what it needs in that in that current state. So it's going to utilize the protein needs. Um, and then, you know, the swimming amino acids will just continue to circulate since there's not really a depot, if you will, compared to carbs um, or fat. But, you know, that's you're going to utilize, uh, I, I mean, yes, if there there is going to be some breakdown of amino acids into urea and, and eventually you're going to urinate that out to, into that point when it comes to damage, if you're healthy, and there's no kidney issues to begin with as a client, there is no harm. Um, 
but if you do have you know actual kidney perfusion damage issues conditions you know anything to cover that spectrum then not to say that protein is dangerous but there needs that is a big context to now have to take protein needs seriously not say it's less serious but they need to take they need to be considerate of what that amount is so that that is not making kidney perfusion worse yeah you bring up a valid point so for someone that is um you know they have kidney disease um and kidney problems that's a whole different topic of your needs are going to be different uh especially even if you have kidney disease and you're exercising, those needs are going to be different. I have a client who's had both of his kidneys replaced and does a lot of kidney advocacy. He's uh, He works for the National Kidney Foundation. So him and I talk about that topic quite often. So Joe, I'm going to throw that back to you with absorption. So someone don't like, do we not absorb protein? Does it just float around in our body? Do we just pee out just nitrogen and all these other things? Like, you know, how would you approach that question? It's It has been a while since I've heard that, but I have I've seen it on social media, you know, everyone's using the little clickbait things and stuff like that. So I think it would just be wise to touch on that topic as well, as far as uh, protein, how much we can absorb, do we pee it out? Does it float? All those type of things. Just a lot of pee in this conversation already. Lots of urination. We're all right talking about <laughs> urination. So I, so first we have to clarify, you, you said amino acids float around and Kevin said they swim around. So I need to know like what's <laughs> happening inside my bloodstream. With there's me. lots of, there's lots of buoyancy going on, <laughs> right? Our blood and there's lots of buoyancy going on in the blood. Yeah, it's like, I've, I've got this magic school bus vibe. That's see exactly what it is. Kevin yeah. and I watched an episode of magic school bus before we started this. And we're like, we're going to somehow fit this into the, the topics today. It, it's a, it's against APA to utilize, to repeat <laughs> words over and over. Gotcha. Gotcha. We're going to have to clear that up. We'll, we'll get we'll get this all edited and cleaned up. Um, so so uh, Kevin actually answered this in, in one sentence, which is context. And so absorption is your body's going to take what it needs right then. So if you've been fasting, such as, uh, you know, nighttime, but when you're sleeping, if you've just trained, if it's been four or five hours instead of two hours since your last meal, then your body's going to utilize more of those amino acids. And then, yes, once liver amino acid pool and any adaptive anabolism has taken place where insulin is helping amino acids get synthesized and, and stored in uh, muscle tissue, you actually do pee the rest out. So, so that's where you can end up with a little bit of kidney stress. And I know a lot of people in our world love to say, there's never been a single study ever, ever, ever showing kidney damage or stress because of more protein. And I always think, well, except for all the ones that do, because there are plenty of research studies that show that excess protein can add to kidney stress as easily marked by blood panels and so forth. So I, I don't know why people are afraid to say too much protein is harmful because it is, it, it's, it's very acidic. It creates more urea, uric acid and so forth. So, but, but there's, there's a long buffer. Like you, you don't, you you can you can over consume a little bit just to be safe, especially if you have lean body mass goals. Um, but you just don't need to be crazy, and and there there are limits to how much you can consume at one time and still benefit from it. I'm glad you brought that up about kidney stress because it does. I mean, it, your kidneys get stressed when we have those high protein diets, and to your point, there's a long stretch, but. Does that make sense? You know, we have to bring logic into things. Does it make sense that we want our kidneys to be that stressed all the time for however long? You know, it what is I mean? the most sensitive tissue in your body. Yes. And, and when your kidneys fail, whether it's when you're 40 or 80 or 100, 
you die. Like that is the first step to just a very predictive mortality. Yeah, that's that's a it's a rough journey back. That's for sure. If it comes back, um, not kidney recovery, but death. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> So anyways, yes, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like that's another uh, controversial thing. Like, you know, protein doesn't cause kidney failure. Well, it causes a lot of kidney stress. Um, you know, I know that and I'm used to eating a typical type of bodybuilder diet. But of course, after education and stuff like that, I've changed my my protein intake. You know, I've never believed 300 grams of protein was safe or smart, nor did I believe 250 grams for my body weight was safe or smart. So now it's just trying to keep it more within reason to where I know I feel good. I feel strong. I feel like my lean body mass is there. And that goes back to both of your points. You kind of have to do some trial and error to see where you're at. So I want to kind of end it and wrap it with that. I think this was very helpful. I think we've debunked some of the, the myths out there. So I hope everybody got a lot of beneficial information from this topic and we will see you all in the next flexible dieting podcast. Mm-hmm.